Welcome to Hub City Homers. We are now on episode eight. We are finally, 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 finally heading into game week. We have Houston coming up first. Obviously, that means the bulk of this episode is going to be spent discussing Houston. But as of recording this right now, it's been a pretty big day across the country for sports, in particular conference realignment. Uh, we have news of the Alliance, whatever it actually is. And, of course, the statement from the Pac-12 today, as on Thursday at 3-something, that they are not at this time looking to expand. So we're going to have to talk about that as well. And if there's still time left over, we're going to take a look at Tech's bowl hopes and what it would mean for Matt Wells to make or miss a bowl. But without further ado, we're going to kind of get this going. I'm going to go to Jack first with the first question of the day, which is going to be regarding realignment. Jack, you heard the statement from the Pac-12. Uh, we all saw the, the kind of nothing statement about the alliance. More importantly, do you think that right now there is still a scenario in which Tech ends up leaving the Big 12 for another Power 5 conference? I think there is. And it's going to be about a 10% chance in my mind right about now. And if you are a Tech fan or an Oklahoma State fan, you're going to want to listen up. Uh, my only scenario where Tech leaves the Big 12 is if it partners with Oklahoma State. And for some odd way out in left field reason, uh, you get an invite from the SEC. Uh, the only reason I can see that is because the SEC wants to completely lock down the state of Texas, uh, all three major universities from the state. And uh, also, I mean, I mean, kind of with getting OU, you're probably already going to lock down the state, but Oklahoma State would be a nice addition just to, you know, kind of assert your dominance. Uh, that's pretty much with today's news, the only route, other route I can see. Uh, in my opinion, the most common route that, uh, or the most likely route, I should say, that will be taken is probably just expanding the Big 12. And it's something that I have been against since all this conference realignment stuff started. But with the events that have happened today, uh, you know, it's becoming more and more of a possibility of the Big 12 expanding and taking teams like UCF, a Cincinnati, possibly a Houston or an SMU, um, you know. So I would say that just to not to skip ahead too much into our agenda for this uh, episode, but I would say that there are going to be even more eyes now with today's announcements on our opening game against Houston at NRG than possibly were on it before. Yeah, I would say that, you know, I don't know how much stock any one game has, but this is a primetime game on ESPN in U of H's backyard. You know, this is, as much as this is technically speaking being called a neutral site game, we're playing it at NRG. This should be U of H's home. And for Tech, it is a chance to show off or not the strength of your pull and what is a large media market. Uh the problem, unfortunately, is I, I've looked at some of the ticket maps, and historically speaking, Tech does not travel well to Houston outside of the bowl games, and even then, not great. Uh, I definitely remember there being far more LSU fans at that kickoff at the uh, uh, what, what did they call it at the time? I think at the time it was the Advocare Bowl um, against LSU, and uh, and that was with Pat Mahomes, by the way, and we were a pretty decent little team there, other than despicably awful defense. I remember the Ole Miss game. There weren't a lot of Tech fans. Tech's big alumni base is DFW. I saw a lot of Pat. I saw that Pac-12 writer talking about could Tech still draw DFW and laughed my ass off. Um, that was one of the funnier things I, I saw regarding realignment today. Just I, there are maybe three hundred thousand odd Tech grads that live in the DFW area. It, it is a massive alumni base, the biggest for Tech. So. You know, but Houston just isn't. I think we're we're not even top five in the city in terms of alumni base or, or draw here. Of course, neither really is Houston, and this is their city. So, um, you know, it's going to be a lot for everybody who's evaluating it, for us to get familiar with, you know, what the future could look like if worse comes to worse. 
As for me, I think the Pac-12 did shut the door uh, pretty firmly. And I think that everybody's leaning really hard on that at this time statement. And uh, Look, the Pac-12 wasn't required to schedule a, a press conference. Nobody was holding a gun to their head to force them to. They only scheduled that because they feel extremely confident that with the alliance, they feel secure in their membership. Now, could things change if the alliance turns out to be what everybody kind of thinks it will be now, which is absolutely nothing? Maybe they get anxious again. Maybe the Big Ten starts sniffing around, um, and in which case that could reopen the door. But I think at the best you could say is, well, maybe they're not interested in pursuing it until 2025. But by 2025, I think the Big 12 is either going to have to have locked themselves in to a new media deal or collapsed. So in both scenarios, I don't think Tech could still find a home in the pack. I don't see Tech going to the SEC and – there's no chance the ACC or Big Ten are interested. The ACC makes no sense at all, and the Big Ten has firm academic requirements, AAU status, Tech doesn't meet. So I don't see it. I think the most likely scenario now for Tech is um, – um, I think the most likely scenario for Tech right now is that the conference expands. I don't know who that would be. I think the two no-brainers are Cincinnati and – one of the Florida schools, most likely UCF. I think that your next move should be BYU. I don't know if you could get consensus on that. Um, and then I think that you're looking at adding, I mean, there's several good schools in that fourth spot. I've had discussions in my own head about, you know, do you go SMU or U of H? I think the answer there is pretty obviously no. SMU could never get approval from Baylor and TCU. Houston, as much as they want to yell about their media market and all that, they don't draw their own city. Um, Texas and A&M dominate them here. And, you know, if we're going to take a third-tier team out of a city, it's not going to be, you know, Houston that we're looking at. We're going to go find somebody. We are. I mean, we already do this with Tech, Baylor, and TCU. We can't outdraw Texas anywhere either. So why would we continue to do that and make recruiting harder for everybody? So I think they go out of state, and I think you're looking at schools like Navy, Memphis, Air Force, Boise State, Colorado State, someone in that vein who adds enough to the conference academic or athletically, excuse me, that you feel pretty strong. Uh, I think you can position yourself to be a better on-field product than the Pac-12. Um, I think that's very possible. But that's not going to matter when it comes to media money, which is what this is all about, unfortunately. Do you think do you think that if uh you know if you reach out to schools like Boise State uh you know Navy Memphis teams like that do you how do you feel of Tech's chances in that scenario if we add it depending who you add so Cincinnati's a tough program right now BYU's would be very good um, assuming you take number three in or in UCF or USF, which is a huge difference, by the way. But let's use UCF. Most people think that that would be a pretty obvious ad. Um, you got those three. Those three teams would move towards the top of the conference pretty quickly if they are not already there. Um, Cincinnati is arguably would be right behind Iowa State. You know, so it's hard to say right now because I don't know how Tech is going to do this season. I think if Tech performs well this season and then you'd had all of this expansion going through, you'd end up in the upper half of that conference pretty easily. But if this season goes badly and then all this expansion stuff, realignment stuff happens, um, you could find yourself on the back end pretty fast with new recruits flowing into your now new competitors. Um, but, I mean, Jack, when you're, when you're looking at that, in your mind, you know, who would be the immediate biggest threat to Tech's place in the hierarchy? Because we know Cincinnati's going to be in the top end. But, you know, what are those other kind of schools that could fall into place pose a threat directly to Tech, who has historically fallen more in the middle? I mean, name one. I mean, Boise State is a team that, coming from more or less the Mountain West, uh, you know, they are... They're undefeated in Fiesta Bowls. So, I mean, you have teams like Boise State. Uh, I would hate to go to Boise State because I would get a headache from watching that game playing on the blue turf. Uh, BYU. BYU 
has been ranked in the top 25, I'm pretty sure the last three seasons. Um, I don't really know who else. I mean, BYU and Boise State are the immediate ones for me. And uh, those are just the individual ones that stick out to me. Um, maybe UCF, but I don't know if UCF has been as dominant as it has been. So um, we'll see. But right now, those are my those are my main two, which would be BYU and uh, Boise State. See, I'm in a minority um, in terms of I probably am the minority when it comes to this opinion. Um, I actually really like the Smurf turf. I'm a big fan of the blue turf. I've, I've been, I lived in Oklahoma during the Fiesta Bowl upset. Uh, I had moved there like the year prior, I think, actually. So it was fun watching them lose. So I've been, I've been a big fan of Boise State's program for a while. So I've, I, I, I personally love the blue turf, but that could be one of the weirder sports opinions I have since traditionally most people I think hate it, especially when they wear all blue or even worse, they're orange, like highlight nonsense. Um, Kendall, we're going to go to you now with a question related to a different neck of the woods. We mentioned the Alliance. Neither, none of us really care what the ACC is doing. You know, West Virginia is West Virginia, but you know, the bigger immediate threat, the Big 12, you know, West Virginia may or may not go. I don't know if the ACC is interested or not, but the biggest immediate threat to the Big 12's longevity is the new football power, Iowa State and Kansas taking their basketball program heading to the Big 10. Now, Kansas probably driving that bus, at least by current reporting. But Kendall, how good if you're those two schools, how good are you feeling about your chances to end up in the Big 10? Uh, I'm not really sure because the Alliance, really nobody knows anything about it and what's really going to entail from it. But I think they should feel good about it just in the sense of if they do want to expand, they should know that uh, they're going to be the first two calls I think that the Big Ten makes at this point. And I think originally, maybe a couple years ago, that – this wouldn't have happened because Iowa State just wasn't bringing the market that they do now. And I just think that now that they have a bigger market, even within the state of Iowa, that I feel like both those schools should feel pretty good about where they're at with that. Well, my thing about it is I – I mean, I don't know. Because Kansas fans, let me let me tell you, Kansas fans are very convinced um, from the onset of this that that was an option from them. I don't know. I I I, I don't want to believe that the Big Ten is really really um, really interested in bringing in a, a football program like Kansas. I think Iowa State is a lot more appealing than people are giving them credit for. Um, and the reason why, no, the, the part of realignment I hate the most is that everybody focuses on the media buy now, um, because it's all about the money, right? But that, that sucks because a lot of fun used to be in the idea of creating better matchups when you were reassigning these conferences, at least from a fan standpoint, it wasn't quite as important to worry about the money when conferences were set up and the whole thing started to get going. Because, you know, if Iowa state went to great football team, it's a sleeping basketball power. You know, they don't have baseball, but not like the Big Ten cares about that anyways. And, you know, they, they'd have an immediate rival with Iowa. They're very close to the region. You know, they'd have a lot of in common with the teams up there. I mean, even if nothing else, I think they're they're pretty appealing. Um, Kansas football so bad, I just can't rationalize that a basketball program outweighs all the baggage Kansas brings. Kansas what about well, what what about Rutgers? Yeah, but Rutgers and Maryland weren't quite that awful when they got added to the Big Ten, and it's really really hard to kick teams out. And just on top of that, I think Rutgers was more brought in just for the New York media market more than anything, and Kansas just doesn't bring that type of market to the uh, to the Big Ten that they don't already have. 
Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. Yeah, and I mean, I just don't know, like, to Jack's point, you know, are they going to be, how much does anybody care once they're in the conference? I think that once you're in, you know, the goal's accomplished. You know, you help secure whatever the next contract you're looking for with, if you're the Big Ten, Fox. But to some degree, I don't know if Kansas and Iowa State would add anything. I don't know how big Kansas is in Kansas City. You know, I don't know if that's like a huge draw. Uh, I'm sure Kansas basketball does a killer, does a killing. Um, but this is going to be a football-driven decision. That's why I struggle with them. But, um, you know, it, it all remains to be seen. I think that the PAX announcement will be some of the last news we get for a little, um, unless the Big 12 really speeds up its expansion talks, which I don't see happening with the season right around the corner. Um, speaking of the season, we're going to get into the meat of this episode, which is the preview of our next opponent, our first opponent. We are finally here, the Houston Cougars. Um, they are a potential realignment candidate. So nice little segue here. But, you know, we've met them a few times in modern history. Tech has beaten them nine out of the last ten matchups. The only loss falling, I believe that was 2009, was the, the loss to Houston. Um, the, in the last two matchups, Tech won fairly comfortably, maybe a little bit of stress. The last matchup being an extremely high-scoring affair led by Alan Bowman's uh, breakout game as a freshman, which really set his expectations through the ceiling. We are now facing them this year with no Bowman, who has moved on to Michigan. We are going to be starting Tyler Shuck against the Cougars, who will be starting Clayton Toons. Um, the question that comes to mind first, you know, what on this team do you think causes Tech the most trouble heading into our first game? For me, the, uh, the biggest... Uh... I guess, what is the word I'm looking for? The biggest roadblock for Tech for me would be the uh, defense for Houston. I mean, technically, they're returning all 11 starters. If you if you really want to get technical about it, they only played eight games last year. They went three and five. But um, I would say that for me, their their defense really wasn't that good. Um, and I think that there are four, four defensive backs for Houston led the team in tackles behind one linebacker. So if you're having to rely on so many defensive backs to make tackles, I feel like it's kind of a, it's kind of a self-harming thing. But 11 returners on defense sounds really good to me. Uh, I don't really think their quarterback is going to be the best because he hasn't really had a full season at the D1 level. Uh, I really don't think that a running back is going to, you know, carve our defense up because our defense is very improved this year. Um, I think for a long time, Houston has kind of been living out of the gutters of of Tech's roster so to speak. Uh, you know, you have Tazan Henry, uh, Alex Hogan, uh, Keyshawn Carter. Keyshawn Carter is not the gutters of our roster, but, you know, uh, I can't blame him for leaving with David Yost being an offensive coordinator, and he left, and then afterwards we fired Yost. So I can't really blame him there. But, um, you know, I think I think overall their defense would, might give us the most issues uh this will be the first game with Sonny Cumbie being the offensive coordinator for Texas Tech like the full-on uh unbiased unquestioned uh offensive coordinator so I don't know if Tech is really up for that I mean they're up for it but I it's going to be an interesting game on both sides of the ball just because this is the first game with Cumbie for Houston. This is the first game with an inexperienced quarterback, a backfield that claims to be experienced, but kind of really isn't. So, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of an open field for what's going to happen. And I'm, I'm really interested in this game. So I tend to take the belief with Houston that tech should win this game 
going away. And for reference, we, we may or may not get Kendall back. He's having some technical difficulties. So if you just get tired of listening to me and Jack talk, the reason why is because we're not sure if Kendall's going to be able to get back on. But back back to what I was saying. Um, I don't I don't think Tech should have trouble winning this game. Houston was bad last season. They've been bad the last few years. Um, Holgerson's played the transfer market similar to, to um, what Wells has done. And for Tech fans, most importantly being the Tech transfers heading back home to Houston. But the team just isn't very good. You know, there's not anybody on this team that I feel like Tech should really, on an individual basis, be thinking, huh, you know, that, that guy's better than us. You know, I would have liked to keep um, Keyshawn Carter, of anybody we lost over the years from transfers last two, three years. Um, he was a guy that I really thought had really high potential as a receiver, and Yost basically drove him out, drove him out. You know, like Jack said, Yost as a coordinator made our offense just really toxic and undesirable if you want to be a receiver, a running back, an offensive grad assistant. I mean, it doesn't matter. You didn't want to touch the stupid offense. But what I think is unique about – you know, the situation in this game is uh, uh, I think Kayshawn Carter is probably the best player on that offense right away. I I, 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 agree, I agree 100%. And I think that, you know, as good as I think Keyshawn Carter is, I'm not convinced that's a good sign for Houston. Um, as for what could possibly give Tech the biggest trouble, it is probably the passing game for Houston. Clayton Toon is coming in. He's trying to get a full season under his belt. I mean, let's be real here. If Derek King was still at Houston, it would be Derek King's team, right? You know, he's not that good. We saw Derek King. He torched Tech a few years ago in that high-scoring game that Bowman had to lead Tech to victory in, but he torched us in it. The secondary is a lot better than that year's rendition, one. And two, Clayton Toon is not that good of a quarterback compared to Derek King. So we're not going to see this – Clayton Toon is going to rank out as like the sixth or seventh best quarterback tech plays all year. Um, he's going to be better than whoever Kansas trots out there this year. I think he's probably got a better arm than Duggan, though Duggan is far more mobile um, and maybe an all around just a little bit better quarterback. But, you know, I got to slander him a little bit or this isn't, I'm not doing my job. But, um, you know, Clayton Toon's not going to be one of the best quarterbacks tech plays. The problem is, is that tech couldn't stop anybody through the air. The last few years, you know, last year was the first time we saw any signs of life. And still, you know, the Houston Baptist game was a nightmare. So it, it the biggest threat is an established passer like Clayton Toon having a strong game. You know, what can keep a team like Houston thinking they have a chance to beat you is scoring a lot of points. Because, you know, this is a U of H defense is returning 11 starters off a terrible unit. That was yes. an awful Houston unit. Yes. I mean, Tech's defense was bad last season. They were worse. Houston, yeah, I promise Houston's, you they were worse. Houston's is awful. I mean, Jack talked about it. You know, these guys are starters, but, you know, what? they're starters just because there's nobody better behind them. I mean, this is not a good Houston defense. Tech should score and score in droves. If they turn around and hand the ball off, Tech should score in droves. So what can keep a team like Houston in is a guy like Toon, coming in against what is a secondary we're hoping meshes. It's a bit more talented than we've had in years past by a, by a pretty decent amount, but we don't guarantee they mesh. And, you know, we, that that to me is what the only matchup I'm thinking we could run into problems is just if Tech's secondary is bad this season, you know, this is a game that you'll get ex- – that, that's how Houston will attack you. But with, with this, Jack, looking specifically at Houston's offense um, – is there any part of you that thinks that um, Houston can score 35 points this game? No. Do, do, you, do you think that if you're Tech's defense, should you be looking to hold Houston under 35? You know, I think that if you don't hold Houston under 35 or right at 35, it's probably a moral loss. You might not lose the game, but it's a moral loss. Uh, you're talking about a team where thir- last year, 37 points was their was their line. So they scored 37 points in three games last year, or 37 or more in three games. They won all three. They were 3-0. 
but if they scored less than 37 points, they were 0-5. And you're returning 11 starters off of a squad that can't hold teams to pretty much, from what that stat says, under 35 points. So as a defense, you're looking at it. I mean, if you hold them under 35, you're pretty, you're looking at a very good chance of a win. Uh, I, I think that if you hold them under 35, you win. In all reality, I think that if you hold them under 35, you win easily. Uh, like I said, the, or this defense is not very good. Uh, they let up 44 points to UCF, 38 to Cincinnati, and 43 to BYU. Um, they let up 28 to Hawaii in their bowl loss and 30 to Memphis. And those were their five losses. Um, you know, I think that if you can score at a clip that you expect from a Sonny Cumbie offense with a somewhat mobile quarterback, uh, with Tyler Shuck being the starter, I think that you should win this game easily, which is what we've been talking about pretty much this entire off season, you know, uh, looking at this first game, this should be an easy win. And basically demonstrating the dominance over a non-Power 5 school. My thing with Houston always is now that you should be better than them every year. You know, I, I think most Power 5 schools should take the opinion that they should be better than anyone out of the group of five. That's not always true. You know, the top half of the group of five has proven that it can compete, and the very best of the Power Five has made massive leaps and bounds to being as good, if not better, than the best that the rest of the country has to offer. Houston, on the flip side, falls into neither of those categories. I mean, the Dana Holgers and Houston team have sucked. They've been awful. He quit on his first season. Redshirt and Derek King leading to him to transfer completely sacrificed it. I don't know what the thought process was there. I'll never understand it. I guess he figured he could tank a year and nobody would care. Um, they cared. I'm not sure how he didn't lose the locker room right there. And he did lose his best player, so maybe he did kind of. And last year's team was not good either. Um, I mean, they were, I believe, final record three and five. Uh, it was just not – they just weren't good at anything. I think I th saw a stat. You know, when the offense scored – at a good clip, which I think was, I think the bar they said was the offense scores more than 32. They were unbeaten. They were 3-0, as long as the offense did its job. The problem with that philosophy, of course, is, is that you're depending on the fact that a not great offense has to be pretty darn good. You know, it, they don't have to be amazing. Put it this way. Houston this year should be good enough that I don't think they have to score 50 to beat teams. Um, they are going to have to score 30-plus every game. I think that if Tech's defense wants to set a goal – this season, you know, this is a, a not very good group of five team. You should put them down pretty easily. You should be able to hold them under 30. That if you want to be a good defense, that's what you have to do. I don't know if Tech is going to be a good defense. We could be bad. We could be mediocre, in which case the score could get high. But if Tech is going to be a good defense, the stat to look for is could they keep Houston uh, under 30? You know, if you give up 28 points to U of H, I think you win by, you know, what what. what, what what would that be? You know, you probably win by 14 minimum. You know, it's a two-score win. Possibly three. At least two. At least yeah. two. You know, you're, you're looking at, in an ideal world, you drop. You should drop probably 49 on this team if everything's humming your way. And Shuck is anywhere near as good as you kind of pray he is. Um, you should put up 49 on this team to 56. I mean, you should. This is going to be one of the worst defenses you play. So score a lot. Um you should, if you're holding them under 30, you're feeling extremely confident about your chances to win. On the flip side of that, um, for Tech looking at this matchup, the question to me always is with any any new first, you know, opening game for Tech is, are you at all concerned? And this is this question is now even more true because of the transfers. But are you at all concerned that Tech doesn't show up to play 
for this first game, or there's some sort of chemistry problem. You know, the guys just don't look ready. You know, are you at all concerned that that could happen with a team like U of H not exactly expiring, you know, a big game feel? I mean, I want it to feel, as a Tech fan, obviously, I want it to feel like a big game feel. I think that maybe the venue alone could kind of facilitate that. Um, I don't really know if... I don't know. I just... For some reason, I just... I feel like this could be a huge game. It has the marketability to be a huge game. But like you said earlier, Houston Houston itself really doesn't even draw that big from the city of Houston. And that's the thing I'm focusing on really right now is just like, can this be a big game? It's prime time. It's ESPN. Like, this is something that should be a big game. Houston fans are having trouble getting there or won't go. Tech fans are having trouble getting there or won't go until they see positive results. If you see Tech win this game for some odd reason, 56 to 7 or, you know, 49 to 14, something like that, I guarantee you, you get bigger drawouts from the rest of the season. And that's just one of those things where I feel like attendance-wise and what you see at the games are results-based. And it obviously is. And me saying that is it's kind of like a no-duh thing. But it's kind of more, it has a bigger magnifying glass on it now than it used to. See, I've always been one of those people who's believed that fans don't owe teams anything. I've always believed that. Because as a fan, I am paying money to be entertained by you. I won't pay money to be entertained by you if you're not entertaining. So on face value, I think that the sense that, well, you have to show up to be there and all that is a flawed concept. But this year... I have been very, very disappointed with what I've seen from ticket resale sites with how it's looking for tech fans because it hasn't started yet. How can you already be willing to quit on a year you haven't seen anything for and call yourself a tech fan? That's where I'm bummed about. There are plenty of people who can't get to this game. You know, it's a Saturday in Houston. It's not like many people from Lubbock can drive that down and feel, you know, pretty good about getting back, about being absolutely exhausted on Monday, you know? Even Dallas is a bit of a haul down to Houston. Not horrible, but it's a trek, and we don't have a huge alumni base here. I'm not expecting us to wipe out NRG, but there's probably a good likelihood most of the lower bowl on tech side is empty. Not just like, oh, there's a couple small areas where – you can see holes. I mean, like 50 to 60% of the center of the lower bowl was looking empty the last time I checked Ticketmaster. And all I can do is pray that somebody wakes up and buys them. I don't even care if it's Houston fans. That'll be a big embarrassment for the, for the team. You know, everybody's talking about realignment and all these expansion schools are beneath tech. If we can't get people to care about a big spotlight game, you know, and I, I don't think this will be a good game. I think Tech wins comfortably. But it's a primetime game and a pro venue on ESPN. If we can't get people to care, you know, how are we supposed to argue to any other conference and to people who we're, we're trying to pretend to be better than or are actually better than in terms of on-field product, you know, that we're, we're a big deal. This is how you do it. Show up to the games. You know, if Tech goes out and sucks against U of H, I can understand people, you know, taking a backseat. But we haven't even lost yet. We The only thing you can say is that the whole season's unknown and past results have some bearing on future results because, you know, you don't turn over your entire team every year. But I, I've been disappointed by that more than anything else this offseason. The lukewarm reception to what should be a game tech fans really feel like they need to get to.
I, I maybe it's because I'm choosing to be more optimistic this year, and partly because I think I'm it's got to be justified. But uh, I've been disappointed by the lack of energy resolve around getting to this game. You well, know, it's I probably, think, yeah, sorry. I mean, and I know, good. I, I mean, I think it's also the fact that you know next season is going to be a rebuilding year, regardless of what happens. I mean, if you if you know that this is the year, this is kind of a make or break year. I mean, you look at the talent you have on the defense, you look at the talent you have on the offense. Well, more or less the defense, but the offense is talented as well. But if you if you make a mockery of all of this, then I mean you're looking for a new head coach again. I mean, to be honest about it, that's what we're looking at. So yeah, go ahead. I mean, that's just the that's just the basic, you know, like basic facts of everything. But that's what I really am struggling to get. No matter what happens this year, you know, whatever happens, it can only give you an outcome that's kind of exciting. You know, there's very little chance if tech is bad enough, you know, they're going to or there's very little chance something could happen that isn't exciting this year. If tech is bad enough that it can't make a a a bowl game, Wells will be gone. You know, we'll be we'll be in a, in a hunting search. We'll be in another coaching search. Hokut may or may not still have a job. I mean, it, there's going to be a lot of uncertainty, a lot of craziness going on with realignment coinciding with that. If you're good and win eight to ten games, it's your best season in a very long time, and could be the sign of that. Maybe, maybe Matt Wells can coach his guys up. You know, the odds are good. Tech. Could you know? Could Tech be mediocre? Sure, but just Tech football doesn't. You know, Tech football doesn't seem to do mediocre well. It's either going to be bad or they're going to be good. And for the better part of a decade, they've been pretty damn bad. You know, even the best Cliff team was one of the worst defensive teams in the nation, and maybe one of the worst two-year stretches in Power Five history for defense. You know, those absolutely, were his absolutely. Good I absolutely I would agree with that. So you know, I I I don't get it. I I see that being a problem because, you know, the guys, football teams feed off fans. And if we don't show up to this game, you know, if you're a Tech fan who could go and you don't because, you know, ah, 40 bucks is too much. You know, and I understand it. Everybody's economic situation is different. If you don't have the disposable income or you can't get there, this isn't applying to you. This is talking to folks who can and in other years would if they had a little bit more excitement to them. You know, and I'm not even talking about the people who have COVID concerns. I'm just talking to people who are willfully choosing not to support the team because, well, they might be bad. Sure. You know, we could all die tomorrow. Might doesn't do me any good. You know, if you can be there, the guys will feed off your energy and might play a bit better. You know, so uh, that that's what I've been disappointed by. The, uh, um, just just to recap, by the way, I think we have officially lost Kendall for good. He's having all kinds of problems. So it will just be me and Jack from here on out unless he manages to resurface. So that's why you got this kind of two-man game going here. We like to keep at least three of us on the pod at all times, but we'll keep it rolling. Jack, you know, we've talked a lot about Houston and how Houston matches up with Tech. Let's, let's look at the other side of this. How does Tech match up with Houston? If you're looking for areas to exploit, you know, if you're if you're wanting to find a matchup, Tech should like. Um, where are you going first? Uh, you know, I'm going to go with a mix-up of pass run on offense. You know, uh, I think, like I said earlier, this team returns 11 starters on defense, but that defense was abysmal. It was terrible. And it wasn't anything to brag about. So... You have your four out of your top five tacklers or leaders in total tackles are defensive backs. That's not a good stat to have. That is absolutely a ridiculous stat to have. There is no reason for any defense that four out of your five top tacklers are safeties and corners. That's absurd. So you attack on offense and hit them hard. Hit them hard and hit them early. You know, your first three possessions should have three scores. 
And I'm not talking three field goals. I'm talking two touchdowns and a field goal. You know, shit, three, three touchdowns would be phenomenal. But that's what you should be expecting because this defense is subpar at best. Your best player on this defense is Alex Hogan, who used to play at Texas Tech. Your best, I mean, and I'll just go ahead and go on my rant here. Your best running back in all reality is going to be Tajon Henry, who played at Texas Tech. Your best wide receiver on this team, most likely, will be Keyshawn Carter, who played at Texas Tech. So, I mean, this team is living out of our roster, as I mentioned earlier. But, I'm as I'm saying you should be attacking this defense because this defense, I mean, as I said earlier, and I'll re and I'll repeat for those that weren't really listening, 43 points allowed against BYU third or uh, 44 allowed against UCF and 38 allowed against Cincinnati uh, 30 allowed against Memphis and 28 allowed against Hawaii. So, if you're playing against a team that allowed 28 points against Hawaii and 44 points against UCF, I'd be extremely worried, to say the least. I'll go a different way than the offense, because I think that the easy answer is the offense. You're you're 100% correct. It's the most glaring area on the field where Tech should have an advantage. Is our offense attacking their defense and i've already talked about it and i'd never i don't want to be as more redundant than i tend to be when i talk so i'll focus on the other side and i'm going to circle a matchup um i'm going to circle this matchup not necessarily even because i think tech's gonna win it but i i feel confident that if you win this game Big, like I hope you do, a big part of it will be this matchup. That's offensive line versus defensive line. Tech's defensive line needs to and should be able to handle U of H's. U of H's offensive line is as thin as Tech's and not as good. Um, Tech's offensive line doesn't have a lot of depth. U of H's line has no depth. And U of H's offensive line is, is, is experienced, but they weren't exactly phenomenal last season. They weren't awful. They were pretty middle of the road. But if you're going to beat up on better teams, you know, or match up with better teams, excuse me, you probably won't be able to dominate many of the Big 12 school offensive lines who all tend to be pretty decent. But you have to be able to take an offensive line like Houston's and and handle them. You know, we, we talked about this in our last preview episode. Jack talked about it with how the linebackers led the way in sacks last year by a wide margin. And that only one returner on this year's offensive line had more than a sack, and he had one and a half, excuse me, defensive line. Um, and that was uh, Tony Bradford. So I don't know if Tech can do it, but this is a matchup that should be circled, starred, red marked, whatever. Because if you take care of business, U of H is going to want to do two things. They're going to throw the ball to Keyshawn Carter, you know, and they're going to want to hand the ball off to Tazon Henry. That's what they're going to want to do. Clayton Toon is going to be looking to distribute to his best receiver and turn around and hand it off to his best back. If you put pressure on Toon and you take Henry out of the game, you win this by 30. I mean, it 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 should be that easy. Now, that sounds really easy, and like I said, I don't know if it's for sure going to happen. But if you want to make this game easy, if you bully their defensive line, or excuse me, your defensive line bullies their offensive line, you will take care of business in this game. I'm not even talking about the fact that Tech's linebackers should feast in this game. I'm talking specifically our front three, four guys who are going to be up against their front five. You know, they're, they're returning four starters. Their best offensive tackle left. It's a very similar story to Tech's. Best offensive lineman's out, not a lot of depth, brought in some transfers. The difference is, is that their guys were not as good as ours in the first place, and the depth they added isn't anywhere near as good as ours. And so their transfer and their yeah and their transfers aren't as good as ours that we brought in. Yeah, it's just that we are looking at a team that will only be as good as their offensive line. U of H's entire hope for success is going to ride on the fact that Clayton Toon can stay upright because they are not going to stop many teams. They might be marginally better defensively, but I doubt it. 
you know, they might take a step forward. We don't know what the COVID offseason did to them now that we've had a more normal one. But more likely than not, it's all going to ride and die with Clayton Toon being able to get the ball out of his hands clean and being able to run the ball effectively. If you take away their ability to do that by just dominating this offensive line or even just being significantly better than, you know, like you clearly won the battle in the trenches, you'll win this game by 21, 30 points. I mean, it, it, it'll be easy. Um, but that does bring us to a big question, Jack. Tech's offensive line lost Jack Anderson. Um, we brought in Storman out of TCU, who was a really great offensive tackle. Some shuffling around, not very deep. You know, for Tech's offensive line, how do you think they hold up against a U of H team that is down arguably their two best, or not arguably, are down their two best pass rushers from a few years ago, who both, I believe, opted out last season, but um, they don't have a true star pass rusher yet. How do you think Tech holds up against their pass rush unit? I think uh, it holds up pretty well. Uh, barring injury from anyone, uh, you know, this this line is going to be uh, Dawson Deaton, Josh Berger, uh, Weston Wright, Caleb Rogers, and uh, TJ Starment from TCU. Uh, I really don't see this unit being uh what's the word i'm looking for this unit will be good and they will be better than the houston defensive line uh i really don't see the houston d line doing anything that can confuse or trick our offensive line uh i posted in an article after the last tech scrimmage that we probably have two backups for our offensive line. And it's Clayton Franks and Ethan Card. Other than those two guys, if I'm being honest, those are the seven offensive linemen that will make a difference for this team. If something happens and we have to go beyond that, I don't know exactly what's going to happen. Uh, there's a lot, there's a very wide range of things that could happen uh, from the very worst to the very best. And I, if I, if I were a just casual to normal tech fan, or even if you consider yourself a hardcore tech fan listening to this, I would be hoping that, your starting offensive line for the first series of the Houston game stays intact. Depth is the thing that worries me the most about this tech team. Um, I think for the first time in a long time in some key positions, you have a little bit, but where I don't think you do is the offensive side of the ball outside of running back. I don't think you have a lot of depth. Almost anywhere. You know, the tight ends are a big unknown right now, so I won't really speak to that. Your offensive line, no depth. Your receivers, no depth. I don't like the idea of Henry Columbia being your starting quarterback. Um, he's a good kid. He plays hard. But if Shuck goes down, you're probably in some hot water pretty fast. Um, I so agree. Big... I agree. I agree. And we'll, 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 the next, we'll close out talking about Shuck in particular because I want to, I want to spend at least like a good five minutes talking about him since he has been out, but officially needed a starter. But, um, you know, him, any injury to the offensive line that lasts more than a couple weeks, um, any injury to Ezekama or, or um, 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 Geiger out of Troy, um, you know, those guys, if they go down, you're in trouble. You, there, there, there's not a lot behind any of them. Um, so it is something to look for this year, you know. Uh, uh, how, how healthy can you stay? Now that you've gotten a full offseason weight and conditioning, I think you'll see a little less health problem than you saw across football last year where everyone was kind of in a weird routine and couldn't do their usual prep and maintenance and there was a lot more stress and you know all that. But if COVID starts to get ugly and we start to have to see some of that again, um, it could get bad and Tech can't afford it on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, hilariously enough, I think you have a bit more depth. Um not unlimited depth. We're not Clemson or Alabama, 
but you've got a couple guys who could fill in if somebody went down. It's just the offensive side of the ball is thin. Um, that in the nightmare scenarios, you come into this game and lose an offensive lineman. Um, you should beat Houston, and I, I, I'm, I'm uh, I think that Houston fans are going to absolutely hate us if they listen to this. We've been extremely dismissive of them, and. For good reason. I don't think they're very good. I don't think they're going to be very good. Um, I, I think that Tech fans should have no reason to be afraid of this game. And that's arrogant, and I'm, I'm fully ready to hear about it if Tech screws this up. But, you know, I think that the reality of the situation is Houston's a middle-pack AAC team at best, um, like 6th, 7th range, maybe 5th at the high end. Uh, I don't, don't see them legitimately challenging Tech in this game. They shouldn't. But the nightmare scenario is to lose an offensive lineman, which could immediately change the entire feel of the game. Um, so I'm really pr- I'm praying this year for once can we have one sporting year that we can finally get some injury luck. It's just been how many seasons in a row has a good tech team been ruined because of a couple injuries? I mean, it's Cliff was fired. Because of injuries. Let's be honest here. If Alan Bowman playing that well stayed healthy, Tech would have won eight games. We would have knocked off Oklahoma. It would have been a whole different thing. You know, an injury to Tariq Owens is a big reason why Tech didn't win the national title. Think you about know, this. Think, think about think about this last year in baseball. Yeah. Like, we just saw what happens when you lose your entire starting pitching staff on what is a very good baseball team. You fall just short, so I'm just praying for health. But I, I mentioned Shuck. I want to get to him. I'll, I'll, I'll let Jack open that up. Jack, Shuck is now your starting quarterback. It's what we all expected. What? What? If you're looking, because we we we've talked a lot about Houston not being very good defensively. You know what? What? What is the area Shuck has to perform to look like a great quarterback? One, you know, because the bar is different if we think the defense is bad. But most importantly, what's his red flag? when you start getting worried about his performance? Uh, I think his accuracy over the middle will be your red flag. Uh, If he gets rushed in the pocket and rushes throws over the middle and starts getting picked, a la uh, Pac-12 championship, a la, uh, you know, Fiesta Bowl with Iowa State. I've mentioned a couple of episodes ago, or it might have been the last one, might have been two ago. I would circle that game against Iowa State. It happens in Lubbock, and the reason that I would circle it is because Tyler Shuck has already played against this Iowa State defense, and they made him look silly. And I don't know if he has done stuff to change that or if he has improved his game. I mean, as a tech fan, you would hope he would have, but I think that that's a big game to circle on in your schedule. I expect him to throw a pick in this game. You know, I expect that to happen. First start of the year, brand new receiving core, very, very thin receiving core outside a couple guys. There's going to be moments where he's pressured. I think he throws a pick. I think he could arguably throw two and still have a good game. It's the first game of the season. Takes offenses longer. But if he's throwing three, that's a huge red flag. The other thing that can happen, if he consistently cannot put touch on a deep ball. Because we're going to be able to dink and dunk. You know, there's a lot of speed on this receiving core. We got great running backs. That we, I'm not talking to David Yo's screen special, but we're going to live, you know, 5 to 15-ish yards. That's going to be a lot of how... Sonny Cumbie likes to move the ball around. But when Tech goes deep, if you see what was happening to Columbia or Bowman last year, where the ball just, they couldn't place a deep ball to save their freaking lives, that's going to be worrying. Because you can't necessarily coach that out of someone. You know, you can't fix somebody not having touch. If he's doing any of either of those two things, I'm starting to get nervous. Because I think he's going to put up big numbers against Houston just because it's Houston. And Tech's going to be better and bigger and stronger offensively than Houston's defense. I think he's got great running backs to support him that are going to take a ton of pressure off of him. So if he still is throwing three picks, you know what should be a red flag for any quarterback, but in particular against Houston. And much more worryingly to me than uh, uh, the pretty no-duh pick answer is if there's if it looks like he can't place his deep ball. 
I'm not talking about timing where the ball's there, but it's just a little bit too far in front. I mean that the ball's trailing out of bounds. It's short. It's long one throw. It's it's off to the left. It's off to the right where something's clearly not working and he can't just get it to them. You know, I don't know how many deep shots we'll take against U of H. So we may not get a big sample size, but to me that, that is a huge sign that something's wrong on the flip side. What I think it could do well, you know, you mentioned Iowa state being a big game. You circling to get there as the starting quarterback at Texas tech, he needs to be completing 65% of his passes. Minimum minimum to me. That is that if I could get an efficient quarterback, I'll be happy. And I'm not, and again, we're not going to uh, see it necessarily, all happened because uh, uh, we're going to see some inflated completion numbers because of how Cumbie likes to move around. He's a spread offense, guys. Take what the defense gives you. But if you can't complete 65% in Cumbie's offense, you may not be that good of a quarterback, a.k.a. Max Duggan. You know, if you can't complete 65% of your passes minimum, you're not going to be the starting quarterback here for very long. Other thing that I would think would be a great sign, if he runs for 40-plus yards in this game, not because he has to. If he's running for his damn life, that's a whole other can of worms. But if you know we're calling a, a, a read option, or he takes off on a nice little scramble when he, nobody's open, and he ends up with forty plus yards, one that means he's not being sacked that much, which is great for us. But it also means he is truly going to add mobility to a tech offense, which was the only reason most people liked Columbia's game, was because he added a little bit of mobility. You know, um, and if he does those things, I think he gets to Iowa State as the starter, and that's the showdown. You know, that that's the best defense you're going to play besides OU's. It's a system Tech hasn't been able to beat in the last – how long has Matt Campbell been a head coach? And, uh, you know, if he wants to survive as the starting quarterback, he has to start those two things against Houston. And we're going to close this out with game predictions. As you can tell, both of us kind of don't think Houston will be a big challenge. But in terms of hard score, Jack, where are you going? What are you thinking? Who wins this game? Uh, I think Tech wins. Uh, I think it's a close game in the first half, if I'm honest. I think in the second half, uh, Tech makes some sort of, you know, just, I don't really know. I feel like I as I'm saying this, I feel like Tech should win by 40 and should be up by 40 in the first half. But by the end of it, I'm going to go ahead and give a prediction of possibly you know, 42 to 21 or possibly 42 to 24 is what I would do, possibly 45 to 24 would be a good one for me. Uh, you know, give give these uh, kickers a couple of options. Uh, I know you're in the middle of a, a battle with your kickers with Trey Wolf and Jonathan Garibay. Uh, I feel like you give them both a chance because I don't feel like either one of them have really set themselves apart during uh, fall camp. So that's what I'm looking for at this point. For me... Uh, I got to go with a decided tech win. I mean, it's no secret that I'm leaning that way. If you're, if I'm put on the spot for the final answer, I'm going to say, give me 56 31 because I think, I think U of H just manages to get over that 30 point bar on a late field goal. But I think tech scores and scores in bunches. And I think, you know, if, if, if this game proves anything, it proves that at least on face value, this is getting closer to a bowl team than not. Uh, we didn't get to that discussion. We will after the U of H game. In fact, it'll be a lot more interesting to discuss it if we've dropped or won the first game of the year, what it means for the bowl discussion. So stay tuned for that in a future episode. We're going to close it out here in an hour. Um, sorry to lose Kendall. He would have had some great takes on all this. Really tough to not have your Wi-Fi cooperating with you. We've all been there. This has been Hub City Homers episode eight. It's been me and Jack for most of your show tonight. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. You'll hear from us again after the game. One of us will almost certainly be going live from the account after the game. So keep keep your eyes peeled. 
Um, I think both Jack and I are actually going to be there, so we'll see. It might be Kendall. It could be somebody else. Maybe Reed could make a, a, a one-time appearance. Who knows? But you will hear more from us. Don't you worry. And we hopefully will be huddling up again with a 1-0 and o in the record column. Um, thank you all for listening. Wreck them.